The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A woman wakes up to see five very unexpected strangers surrounding her bed. When a homeless man has diarrhea, he stumbles across a worldwide conspiracy. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> that's an actual topic. And then two young men are out camping in an Arizona desert. They just want to have a good time and tell spooky stories around the campfire. Instead, they are thrust face first into a war for Earth's women today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I know yesterday's episode ended abruptly. I basically just took my football and went home. Story really bugged me. And just just to be aware, that was yesterday to you. That was 30 minutes ago to me. I just got done recording that story. Because I'm trying to get all these episodes done for the heat wave hits. And this is my last episode I have to record for the week. It's June 24th for me. So this was recorded long before you're listening to it. But I decided I was going to find some goofier stories than I had originally planned for this episode. Because yesterday was kind of just me getting up, getting upset. I mean, it was, it was reasonable, right? It was reasonable. But I found some goofy ones for us today. And then we have the mind story. I didn't get to that. And then Ellie Rack was our legacy Patreon supporter yesterday. I always want to make sure you guys fly the Carpenter Copter. So Ellie Rack, you are back in the seat for this episode. Because all you did was... Drive the Dead Rabbit Dune buggy, and I just yelled. I yelled the whole way. You're like, ah, oh, this is a very awkward journey. So, Ellie Rack, welcome back to Dead Rabbit Command. You're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. You guys can't support the Patreon. You guys know what I'm going to say, but I mean every word of it. That's okay, too. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Ellie Rack, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Dead Rabbit Dirgible. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are headed on out to Devon, England. Dead Rabbit Dirigible has taken us on out there. It's November 1991. It's 3 in the morning. The spookiest time to be alive. It's super spooky. If you're alive at 2, if you're alive at 4, you're golden. But 3 a.m. This family in Devon had been having some paranormal issues going on in the house at night. Family members had heard strange noises. Footsteps down empty hallways. That actually doesn't sound like footsteps. That sounds like mom and dad are having a little fun. You're like, Jason, nobody... That sounded like two elves banging each other. What type of adult makes that... Uh, uh, uh. It sounds like a construction worker. You're like, Jason, that's not a construction worker either. Just tell just tell the ghost story or the alien story, whatever this is. One night, one night everyone's asleep. Mom feels something pressing down on her chest. Uh, she wakes up. There's nothing in the room. That's not the whole story. That's not the whole story. That's just sleep paralysis. I don't even know why I included that detail. It adds nothing to the narrative. I guess it shows that stuff's going on in the house, but that happens to people all the time, right? 
But okay, so that I included that detail because it was in my notes. But looking back over it, I don't know why I included it. There's another. This is why we're telling this story. This is why we're at this house. There's another night, and the mom wakes up. <gasps> oh, she sees a ghost in old timey clothing standing by her bed, and she's like, <gasps> and then next to that is another old timey ghost standing there, right? And she's like, oh, no, there's two old-timey ghosts on this side of my bed. I'm going to slowly turn my head because maybe the other side of the bed, there's no one there. And as she's turning her head, she sees a third old-timey ghost just standing there. She cranes her head just a little bit more. She sees four. Apparently, this is an episode of Sesame Street now. She sees four scary ghosts standing on the side of her bed. They're all wearing old-timey clothes. But Jason, you said that a woman wakes up and she sees five people in her house. So who is the fifth ghost? Is it someone special? Is it Abraham Lincoln? Is it King George? This is the interesting thing about this story. I mean, listen, that's sleep paralysis, right? You're waking up, you see a couple ghosts. I mean, I guess that's not normal sleep paralysis. That is a couple ghosts. But waking up and seeing ghosts surrounding your bed, that's terrifying. But is it Dead Rabbit Radio terrifying? Is it so unusual? that I would talk about on the show. She wakes up, she sees four ghosts. They're translucent. You can see through them. It's 100% the definition of a ghost, full body apparition. They're wearing old-timey clothes. The fifth ghost is not a ghost. It is a fully solid gray alien. That story was from, think about it, docs.com. You're like, Jason, wait, that was... That was the whole story. A woman wakes up, she's surrounded by old-timey ghosts and a gray alien, and then there's no... They don't say what happens? No. They don't, which is interesting, right? Which technically would be the most interesting part of the story, right? I think just seeing them together is fairly interesting. Seeing them together. This was reported in ThinkAboutItDocs.com, one of my favorite websites. They got it from Malcolm Robinson. They wrote for, I think it was a newsletter called SPI. I'm assuming it's something like Spook Paranormal Investigations or something like that. But think ThinkAboutItDocs.com has never steered me wrong. They have a lot of great info there. They're one of the few sources I trust in this game. So what was going on here, right? Like you could say, yeah, she was dreaming, but I, I think they have this lead up to paranormal activity. The reason why I want to talk about this is because of that combination of high strangeness. Here we have an alien, and we've touched on this subject throughout the run of the show, but we have an alien in the same presence of ghosts. We've seen Bigfoot and aliens in close proximity, but I can't, I'm sure we've covered it before, but if if we have, it's extremely rare. An alien and ghosts in the same location. And it just it just raises a whole bunch of questions. It raises a whole bunch of questions that are really fascinating. Is there is there a connection between aliens and ghosts? Does that mean that the idea or the theory that aliens are interdimensional? Because we already believe that ghosts are kind of of this world, but not of this world. When, you know, like interdimensional, between heaven and hell and all that stuff. Does this mean that... But you would think if that was the case, we'd see this happen more often. Or this is, there's a whole other bunch of theories we can go down on this. But this is what I'm thinking. This is, I'm curious. There are people like us. I mean, everyone has their favorite paranormal stuff. Like, I enjoy reading more about ghosts and demons than I do fairies and gnomes. 
I'm not going to turn my back on a gnome if he's chasing me. If he's chasing me down the street, I'm like, oh, you don't exist. But, you know, I'd at least interview him. But I don't... I won't go out of my I won't go out of my way if there's like a no novel down the street. I'm like ah maybe tomorrow the fairy circle is slowly disappearing. It only appears once every thousand years. Ah, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'm playing Just Cause three today. I have a theory. I'm, think about this. Like what if? And this isn't my theory. Other people have put this forward. I actually originally heard this from Dennis Hauk. He's the author of the National Directory of Haunted Places. There's parts of the world, sometimes it's a fixed location, sometimes it travels, it moves around, but that the reality gets a little wonky. And depending on what you believe is what you see. So someone who doesn't believe in anything, someone who's completely atheistic, not just religious-wise, but completely, they don't believe in any paranormal stuff, they may walk through a certain location and feel a little funny, and they'll chalk it up to the fact that they were eating Arby's earlier that day. But someone who believes in ghosts may go in that location and they see a haunting. Someone who believes in aliens may go to that location and they see lights in the sky. Someone who believes in Bigfoot will hear a roar in the distance. And that theory is is interesting. It doesn't really... It holds up sometimes. Like, if you go to a haunted house, like, people go, that house is haunted, we go there, there's cold spots and stuff like that. You can't get Stephen Greer going there, and he's like, oh, spooky alien. Well, he probably would, but that was a bad example. But if you get someone who believes in UFOs and takes them to a spooky house, and if they don't believe in ghosts, they may not see anything. But there is this theory that... What you believe is what you see. And if you are a religious person, you may go there and you may see an angel. You may see a djinn, right? Depending on where you fall at. So that could be what this is. And it's an interesting question to us. To us. Even though I enjoy reading about ghosts and demons more than... Really, I think more than aliens. I, it's really hard for me to find good ghost stories for this show. I really love ghost stories. I've seen ghosts. I've seen demons. I know 100% those things exist. But I would be open to seeing an alien. And if I went to a haunted house, I would expect to see... I would be like, ghosts, show up! I don't want to waste my time here. I already let that gnome... I already let that hobbit hovel disappear. Um, But if... You know what I mean? Like, But if I showed up to a haunted house and I saw a gray alien, I would not be disappointed. My pants, my pants may need a washing, but I wouldn't be disappointed. So I'm thinking, like, I'm just, this is interesting because is she, was this woman, first off, it could have just been a dream, but if she did see these things, was her brain trying to process all this weird information and it couldn't, it couldn't even process it as five ghosts or five gray aliens, it kind of split the difference. Or did the alien bring the ghosts with them? Like, there's a whole bunch of, I love this story, even though it's so short. Sometimes it's these little short ones that really get the noggin jogging, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Should that be my new catchphrase? I think I actually heard that from Ned Flanders 15 years ago, but that's my new catchphrase. Come on, Fluffle, let's get the noggin jogging. I will never say that again. Okay, I said it twice. It's I didn't even laugh. I didn't even laugh the second time I said it, and you're like, thank you, Jason. Thank you for realizing how stupid that was. Eli Rack, let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. We're going to take the hot breezes away from Devon, England. We are headed out to Santa Monica, California. <laughs> Hilary Rack's like, damn it, that's where we went yesterday, dude. And you started yelling at everybody. You started accusing people of being grifters. Well, hang on to Ellie Rack's ankles. We're not going to talk about Sharon Lee Giganti again. 
We are headed out to Santa Monica to meet Max Kramer. <sighs> Max Kramer is a character we just introduced, I, I think last week. I'm starting to lose track of episodes because I'm recording them so far ahead before this heat wave destroys the planet. Max Kramer was a character... Uh, oh, yeah, it was Father's Day. I did not plan that. I did not plan to have an episode about a man <laughs> disguising himself as people's dads on Father's Day, but it worked out perfectly. Father's Day, I introduced this character named Max Kramer. He was sent to me, not physically. I would have loved to shake this guy's hand. We don't know if he's alive anymore, but Oogs, a longtime listener of the show Oogs, sent me the story of Max Kramer to sum it. You don't have to listen to Monday's episode. I recommend it. It's really funny. But to sum it up, Max Kramer is a homeless man who is also a video game designer and has a website called Immortal Jewish Car Machine. And the website is long gone, but thankfully it's in the Wayback Machine. He's a video game developer. He's developed 90 video games. One of them is about a guy named Skip Shutterville who pawns his knife. This is you, by the way. This is the character you play. If you've ever wanted to play a video game where you're a total idiot, there's a guy named Skip Shutterville. He pawns his knife. This takes place in 1812. I guess they bought I guess they bought used knives back then. It's called 84 Sins, The Ghost of Skip Shutterville. This is a game he's developed, i.e. wrote down. Skip Shutterville is you. You uh, Sorry, 1821. Sorry, I looked over my notes. Sorry to get the date wrong, Max. You pawn your knife because you have to pay some gambling debts, and then you drink too much at a bar, and then they go, hey, where's the money? And you don't have it, and you don't have a knife, and they stab you to death. I don't remember that being the, I don't remember that being the opening of Halo. And you're like, Jason, no, that's super like counterculture. That would be great. So anyway, Skip Shutterville. Fine, you, you developed the game. Skip Shutterville. This is all the opening cinematic. Skip Shutterville is buried, and there's a rabbi wizard walking through the graveyard randomly, and he goes, "Oh, dude, I heard about you. You're the idiot who pawned your knife." The rabbi wizard possesses Skip, and then you come to life. And the rabbi goes, "Sorry, rabbi wizard. I don't want to short. I don't want to short sell this dude." The rabbi wizard says, "You had 84 sins in your life." Would dude? That's so low. I think I've committed 84 sins this week. But you only committed 84 sins in your life, Skip Shutterville. If you right those wrongs, I will take you back in time, give you a younger body, and $1 million, which would basically make you the richest man on the planet in the year 1821. As you're playing Skip Shutterville, you are a homeless hobo. Which, that is a constant theme in Max's games. I would, that's so bizarre to me. If I was a hobo, if I was a hobo and I could dream up a dream world, I the first step one, stop being a hobo. But so many characters in his games recycle cans. Like, cans are the currency in so many of his games. You're not collecting gold coins, you're collecting aluminum cans to recycle. And then you use that to buy magic swords. It's so bizarre. But anyway, Skip Shutterville. I know you guys are on pins and needles. You want to hear the story, Skip Shutterville. You are Skip. And you come back to life. And it starts off like this is the end of the opening cinematic. People walk up to Skip and they're like, hey, you want something to eat? You want some pennies? And Skip says, Skip replies here, no thank you. And tells them that he would just stomp on a cockroach and cook it on the end of his cigarette. And then the game starts. 
And it's weird because what I think is that Max Kramer probably said that in real life and thought it was like the wittiest thing in the world. As people, he has this big thing about people giving him weird looks. He thinks that's him upsetting the Matrix. So when he says something that upsets people and they kind of shriek back, he thinks that he's upsetting the programming. He'll throw racial slurs out constantly. He says, and that's one way to get the Matrix to realize that I'm in here. He thinks he's trapped in here and he needs to be brought back to the real world. Max, that's a real easy way to get beat up super badly. Don't do that. But he'll hurl racial slurs at people and people go, oh, oh. He says this multiple times on the website. That's him breaking the Matrix. So I can imagine him saying something like, yeah, I'll just stop on a cockroach and cook it on my cigarette. And the people recoil in horror. And he built an entire game around that. And you go, Jason, he didn't build a whole game around that. That's just part of the cinematic. Level one, stomp on cockroaches, collect them in a jar, sell them to the skeleton farmer for a plate of meat and potatoes. And so actually, now that I think about it, he's not eating the cockroaches. He says that to shock people, and then he's like, gross. And he takes them and got the skeleton farmer. And it goes on from there. He lists a couple other levels. Level two, you fight ghosts, which is pretty cool. Level five, though, he doesn't have three or four. Level five, you paint, those a whole level, paint an old lady's house. <laughs> That's the escalator real quick from beating up enemy ghosts. Level 7 is the last level. He doesn't have a level 6 listed. Talk about lost media. Levels, I'd love to know what level 3, 4, and 6 were. Level 7, fight enemies. Find baseball cards for orphanage boys. So these phrases make sense to Max Kramer. He probably wrote that and was like, this is brilliant. This is <laughs> When I go into Bioware, when I wear everyone's skin and go into Bioware, they will totally buy this game. A lot of his games are Diablo clones. And he'll say in the description of the game, hey, if you what was the what was the game? It was one he wanted to do like a Doom game. It, it had to do with another franchise. And he put in the notes, he goes, guys, if you are seeing this from this company and you don't want it, I'll just change the name. So he thinks like, it would make sense. If you thought you were trapped in the Matrix, you would assume everyone's paying attention to you, right? You're under surveillance. So why wouldn't Bioware be looking at this stuff? But Max isn't just a man who develops video games. Max is also a man who has to break conspiracies, whatever it takes. Now, Max is the webmaster of Immortal Jewish Car Machine. The Jewish comes into the fact that he's Jewish, proudly Jewish, very, very proud Jewish man. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, hurling <laughs> the racial and some of the racial slurs are anti-Semitic, too. So he'll call himself that and watch people react to it. And he's like, ha, 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 another Matrix destroyed. But really, Max, you're going to get in a lot of trouble. Again, we don't know if he's still alive. I do wish him the best of health. And But anyways... Let's go ahead and talk about his diarrhea. Challah bread, if you don't know it, I did, and I had to look this up. It's actual, it's like a traditional bread, a traditional holy bread in the Jewish faith. And he tells a story. He goes, one day I walked into the store, and there was five computer-generated people there, which would be you and me. He sees us as we're just ones and zeros. He walks in, and he sees five computer-generated people, and he goes, hey, can I use your bathroom? And they said no. So he's like, whatever, whatever, computer graphic people. Probably threw a couple of racial slurs around. He walked out of their building, pulled his pants down, and sprayed diarrhea in the bushes in front of their business. Now, <laughs> depending, depending on your stance, that is either sticking it to the man 
or super disgusting. But even if I think you're sticking it to the man because they want to let him use the restroom, it's still pretty gross. But anyway, he sprays diarrhea all. I, and also, either way, it's quite funny. Whether or not it's a political statement, it's still funny. He poops all over the bushes and he leaves because they're not chasing this guy, right? He says that he continues to walk down the street and he has diarrhea in his underwear too. The spray kind of spilt everywhere. So he finally does get to a bathroom and he starts wiping himself. You're like, just get to the conspiracy. I don't even think there is a conspiracy. I think you just want to tell us a diarrhea story. No, there is a conspiracy. I mean, it is from a homeless, insane man, but he's wiped. But see, here's the thing. Most homeless, insane men are just ranting to the air. He wrote this down. We can study this years later because this is from like 2014, 2016. He's wiping the diarrhea from his butthole and he wipes it all. But then he starts. This is so gross. I don't even. Is it too late to say? Is it too late to say if you're eating any, literally anything? Skip ahead. He's wiping his butthole, and he realizes that all the poop's gone. But now there's a clear liquid on his hands, and he's like, "What?" And he starts to think, "I've secreted like this is pure bile coming out of me at this point. I've diarrheaed so much, all the poop is gone. This is a clear." <laughs> To my two remaining listeners, thanks for sticking around. <laughs> thanks for sticking around. This is a big, this is a big one eighty from yesterday's episode. I needed this. I needed to tell the story as Max Kramer is wiping away. He has this clear liquid all over his hands. He thinks it's his stomach bile. He thinks it's pure bile. So he smells it, and he says that it smells like. Chala bread, which he is familiar with because he is a religious and ethnically a Jewish person. He's eaten challah bread, and he thinks that this bile smells like that bread. So here's his conspiracy. On the spot, he comes up with this. On the spot, he comes up with this. This man should be his own conspiracy theory iceberg. He smells this in his mind. Challah bread does not smell like stomach bile or diarrhea. I've never had it, but I'm I can I can safely guarantee it doesn't. But in his mind, the smell was similar. On the spot, he comes up with this conspiracy theory. Quote: Why is bile being sprayed on chalas? Neo Nazis or devil worshippers might have been adding gut juice from dead bodies on chalas. Unquote. That's fascinating, the way that mind works. So it's, we, what's interesting is we see similar conspiracies ourselves. We see something happen and we go, that doesn't seem right. And then we'll start looking for information. But ours are more rational. But it's the same process. It's the same thought process, right? He's, he's making an observation, making a connection, and then going, who hates Jewish people? Saint worshippers, neo-Nazis. And then he adds, what's so weird, he adds the detail of getting it from dead bodies like not from themselves it's like even more barbaric if it it's bile coming from dead bodies but he made these connections incredibly fast my diarrhea smells like challah bread challah bread is something that jewish people eat the bread wouldn't normally smell like that and jewish people wouldn't normally do that therefore our enemies are doing that they're poisoning our bread fascinating insight into the mind of a conspiracy theorist
Because we're, we all enjoy conspiracy theories, whether you're a hobbyist or you actually believe in them or you fall somewhere in between. But to watch something get crafted like that so quickly, monkeys don't exist is the same thing. It's an observational conspiracy theory. You can have a bunch of people watch Hans Wormhat's videos saying monkeys don't exist, and they go, that's right, I've never seen a monkey up close. It is weird that monkeys throughout the ages, pictures of them have changed, and drawings of them used to look like this, and then photos used to look like this. It's an observational conspiracy theory. I don't believe it one bit, but I understand why people fall for it. And this actually, this conspiracy theory has legs. This consp The Charlotte Red conspiracy theory could catch on, because the thing that works with observational conspiracy theories is you can't observe it yourself. You look and you go, that's weird. The earth does seem flat. You have to go way, 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 way high in the sky because it's so massive to start seeing the curve of the earth. I've never seen challah bread. I looked up some photos online. I still couldn't pick it out of a crowd of bread. Never tasted it. I've never smelt it. I have no idea. And obviously, I don't believe Max Kramer's conspiracy theory. But to someone who is just hearing it in passing, they would think, well, I don't know. I know neo-Nazis and saint worshippers hate Jewish people. And I know that there's bread, there's this bread. And this guy's Jewish, he's more of authority on it than I am. It could have caught on. It'd be a small niche conspiracy theory, but it could have caught on. I don't want to overdo the Max Kramer stuff, honestly. I don't want to do it too much. But I find him so interesting because he is... He's us. He's us to the nth degree. He's us in an unfortunate reality. We've all dreamed about being video game designers or being musicians or having some sort of creative job. And we've all sketched out notes and thought about how these things would play out and... We've all come up with our own conspiracy theories. But he's us magnified by a hundred times. And it's, he's an interesting fellow because I don't know if that means at any point we could all become Max Kramer. Or if it takes more than just one bad day. Does it take underlying mental health issues? Or is it possible that this is a path we will all... <laughs> this is getting dark. I don't actually think that we'll all end up like Max Kramer, but I just I find him as a person so fascinating. And honestly, I think I might have started off on the wrong story with Max Kramer because when I said that he wants to wear your skin and molest your kids, I think he's going to be... He didn't do that, by the way. He does, he does list his arrest record online, and he's never been convicted of a sex crime or anything like that, so... But that might have, you guys, like, no matter what I say about him going forward, you're like, Jason, yeah, that's a funny video game, but he threatened to break into my house, wear my skin, and hurt my children. But also, you can't sugarcoat. <laughs> he did say those things. He did say those things. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story because it's going to be, this episode is going to be a little bit long, but we are going to fly out to the Arizona desert Elirac call in that world-famous carpenter copter. We are leaving behind Santa Monica, California. We're headed out to Arizona. It's November 1997. It's nighttime. There's two friends out in the Arizona desert. We have names, which is really nice. I like that when we have real names. Dwayne Berger, 22 years old, and his friend Mark. And <laughs> Skip Shutterville. Skip Shutterville showed up as well. Dwayne Berger and Mark are camping in an isolated area out in Arizona. They're eating. They're just relaxing. Little campfire. <laughs> burning. Illuminating the area around them. And then, off in the distance, they hear, No! No! Ah! Oh! 
What is that? What is that type of sound? Someone's stepping on hot coals. They hear the sound of a woman screaming off in the distance. More troubling than that, because that's already bad enough. They hear the sounds of screaming women. More than one, right? (laughs) One screaming woman was, you know, like, oh, that's just kind of bad. When you hear lots of them, you're like, oh. They hear them off in the distance. And Dwayne and Mark are sitting there for a second. And they're like, dude, did you hear that? As the screams are continuing, they're like, yeah, I'm hearing it right now. And they kind of discuss what to do. That would be a troubling situation to be in, right? You're in the middle of nowhere. You hear multiple women screaming. You might be foxes, right? But you keep hearing it. You're hearing the sound of screaming women. You got to do something, right? You got to at least look. They're looking around their environment. They see in the distance an abandoned mine. That seems to be where the sounds are coming from. The only weapon they have available is a tire iron. They, they, pawned, they pawned their knife. They have a tire iron. They head off to the mine shaft to see what's up. And they enter the cave. They get 12 yards in. They see a greenish glow off in the distance. And two dark figures in hooded robes. Dwayne and Mark kind of look at each other. You know, we could take them. Two of them, two of us. They begin to creep closer to the figures. They realize these figures are only five feet tall. I'm like, that's weird. We can take these guys. We can do this. So one of them stands up and shouts, Hey, let those women go. Suddenly, the two hooded figures speak at the exact same time. A booming mechanical voice fills the cave. This is their exact quote. The women are beyond your help. Leave it once or perish. Leave it once or you shall join them in the caves. At that point, before Dwayne and Mark could even react, because right, that's a challenge. It's a challenge to see how fast you can run out of the cave. They figure they can still take these guys. The two figures pull out wands. You're like, Jason, is this... Is this really a story you're telling on a Friday? It is. The two hooded figures... This is my this is my role-playing game from the other day. The two hooded figures pull out wands. They shoot out a yellow beam, and it hits both the guys. Ugh! And they're paralyzed. They're frozen in place. And then the two figures turn and point their wands at the side of the cave. Shooting out a green beam. And it melted the rock off of the cave wall. The two figures walked into this newly formed hole. The earth repairs itself. Dwayne and Mark are then unfrozen and run back to their campsite. Which I'm going to add, I'm assuming then they got in their car and left. I'm I'm assuming they didn't run to the campsite and they're like, Ooh-wee, that sure was spooky. Who wants s'mores? I'm assuming then they got in their car and left. They knew no matter what, they couldn't save those women. They were left to their fates in the mine shaft. This might be the first... I actually didn't plan this because I was trying to find some goofy stories for this episode. This was also from ThinkAboutItDocs.com. I don't think I've ever done two from ThinkAboutItDocs.com on the same episode, but they got it from Brad Steiger. He wrote Out of the Dark. Brad Steiger actually is a pretty big name in UFOlogy. So that's the story. That's, that's the story you waited for. Um, 
I enjoy it. I do find it very interesting. You're like, Jason, that story... <laughs> that story was interesting, but it wasn't diarrhea. <laughs> it wasn't diarrhea interesting. Like, I had to sit through you talk about a homeless man diarrheaing on a bush and then smelling his hand and then thinking up it was a worldwide anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. I listened to that to get to this story. <laughs> It's about a bunch of tiny people with magic wands. You're right, you're right. You did wait through the diarrhea story for this, and maybe it had a really big buildup because it got canceled from yesterday's episode. I personally like the story. I, I'm a big fan of underground hidden civilizations. I don't believe in Hollow Earth, but if you even go back to some of my earliest episodes, I believe that there are massive cave systems that may hold either remnants of a past civilization that lived underground or could still be a civilization today. I would be more willing to believe that UFOs come out of those tunnels and out of our waterways than I would that they're coming from far distances in space. I'd be more willing to think they're coming out of this underground cave system. Again, Hollow Earth is something completely different. But that's why I love this story. It it has that element. We've even covered... I don't remember what episode it was, but we've covered other stories with aliens melting rock or alien-like beings moving in and out of these stone structures. So you have that. You have that connection to the lore. And then you have that old trope, Mars needs women. Aliens, which I'm assuming these guys were alien. Their technology definitely was alien. And we don't get to see their face. They have those cloaks. And we've run into stories with aliens wearing robes as well. But that old trope of aliens taking our women, which even go, I keep saying it's an old trope, it's like an old sci-fi trope, but we see so often in alien lore, they abduct men and they experiment on them. They abduct women and they use them for pleasure. They use them for reproduction. So a man would be more disposable to them. So what are they doing with multiple women in the cave? It's funny because the story is short. It kind of ends. It sounds fantastical, but when you extrapolate it out, it's quite terrifying. Underground alien bases. Women screaming for help. Two men trying to rescue them, but being overpowered and then just leaving the area. And it's not like you could go back to the mine. If these things can melt rock, they'd be deep within the earth before you ever came back. And no one would believe you, right? No one would believe you if you came forward like that. So just an interesting story. Just kind of a spooky story. You think you're going to have a good time with your buddy. You end up having to make a decision. Do you save human lives? But the decision's not really yours to make. You don't have the ability to. Hearing the screams of several women in a cave that's populated by aliens would be the same thing as seeing people drowning offshore and you're not a very good swimmer. It's not the aliens in the tunnel that make the story scary. Or the isolated location of the desert in Arizona. It's the feeling of helplessness that makes the story terrifying. Because we all know what that feels like. We may want to step up and help people when we can. But sometimes we can't. We just have to run away until we can no longer hear the screams in the cave. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. 
Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.